Welcome back to the Four Gardens podcast. I'm Jake Ifshin. The Four Gardens are an approach I'm developing to cultivate a life of balance, joy, connection, and abundance by focusing on four areas of life. On this show, I talk to people inspiring me in these areas of health, nature, creativity, and service. To learn more about The Four Gardens, go to thefourgardenspodcast.com and make sure to like and subscribe to hear new episodes and support this project. One of the keystone practices that supported me over the last seven years as I made many positive changes in my life has been conscious dance, and in particular, five rhythms. Today, I'm really grateful to be joined by my first five rhythms teacher, Ann Kite. Let's jump right in. And thanks so much for coming on. It's so good to see you today. My pleasure, Jake. It's good to see you. So for people who are new to Five Rhythms, have never heard about this practice that's impacted both our lives in such a profound way, uh, tell people what, what it is. So when people join for the first time, the first thing I often say is, let your eyes close to the start because your eyes can be the most distracting part of the practice. And then I often will say, have you ever sat in meditation before? Um, and I'll start a conversation with them about what their mindfulness practices are because five rhythms is a moving meditation practice. It, it, it gets called dance a lot, but it's, it's not dance. It's about embodying our physical being and finding how to cruise the emptiness to let the mind rest. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that because I call it dance a lot and I feel like that's not fully accurate to what I'm experiencing when I'm on the five rhythms dance floor. It's not what I thought of dance all, all the time before that, before I got into this. And so yeah. say a little more about how the practice is different than what people associate with going to a dance class or to dancing at a party or something. So the word dance, I think connotates a performance and there's sort of a load that it, it depends on the person people bring to that word and the practice, which is embodiment, conscious embodiment, is absolutely not about a performance. It's the absolute opposite. It's about what is going on inside of the body, whether it's fear, um, anger, sadness, joy, compassion. We, we find stuck physically in the body. We find movement physically in the body. And so if we're focused outward on a performance, then it's much harder to find what really is moving inside of us, what really needs to move or what really is not moving. And therefore it's just a moving practice. So you could be a quadriplegic or a paraplegic and still practice the five rhythms. Yeah. That shift is so important to me of, I experienced that coming to the class for the first time. And I'm kind of a little performer myself already. 
I mean, I have a podcast, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, that was one of my blockages with dance was thinking about so, so much uh, focus on how I look to other people. So much about of it was, are they paying attention to me? Are they watching me? What do they think of me moving this way? And I shed that pretty quickly with five rhythms, realizing that everybody's moving the way that they're called to move, moving, moving their dance. They're not watching me. They're not analyzing me. I think the quality of the sober dance space too, um, was an edge for me around this. And I was, before I got into five rhythms, I often used drugs and alcohol to numb that, uh, intense awareness of, uh, or fear of other people judging me or looking at me. And the five rhythms experience pretty quickly to me has revealed itself to be something very different than that, where it's, it is the safe space to be yourself, to do your dance, to do your healing, your work on the dance floor. So it feels really, it's one of the reasons this episode is so important to me is to really kind of articulate to people who are new to this, that journey towards that, um, kind of melting into community, melting into your own, your own practice that, that characterizes five rhythms for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that you brought up the drugs and alcohol because um, oftentimes I will say, you know, life on dance is a lot better because it is its own medicine. And if we mix alcohol or uh, what pot or um, LSD or, you know, ecstasy with it, it's, it's, it's kind of like you miss what practice the practice can do for you and is doing for you. I mean, visions can happen. Visiting past traumas happen. Um, anxieties are felt in the body and moved with. So if a person is empowered to not run away from the sort of, quote, negative experiences of life, but to be with them and to expand our container to, to witness all that this life is. You said the word container. Can you say more too about this, the, the qualities of this container of five rhythms, the qualities of the music, of the space, of you are a space holder, magnificent space holder of five rhythms. Uh, let's describe a little more around what this container is like for people. Yeah. So, so, I ask that people come without any drugs or alcohol in their bodies. Um, the space is a minimum of 25 square feet per person and pre-pandemic and hopefully post-pandemic. It's a lot more space than that right now, even when we dance outside. Um, barefoot preferably, but if someone has issues, you know, non-marking clean soles um, for shoes. Um, and then from there, I hold the container. Like if I see, you know, people in their heads or people tracking other people, I name it in the space in a kind way, like, like you're welcome here and try this you know, try just letting your eyes close, you know, really get inside of yourself instead of looking outward for is somebody watching me or I really like what that is um, to just name sort of the ego games that start going on 
so that we can let that go and get more into what's underneath our patterns that we we show up with. Some of the cues you give have really helped me of starting with the simplest ones of just noticing my feet as I'm dancing. You'll often bring attention to the feet early in the dance to my breath. You'll bring it back to the breath regularly. And these cues are part of the high quality of the conscious meditation that I see the practice is holding. And so when you're space holding, you're both, you are running the music and DJing and you're also have the mic and you're giving these cues that can start from the simply, the simple and profound, like the, they seem mundane, but they're so profound. These basic instructions that bring me back out of my head into my body, into my breath. And then all the way up to, I mean, I've had really peak moments on the dance floor during chaos where you say really powerful things and where you're, you're talking about dancing for everybody and for, you know, really you hype that moment also in a, I love that about your space holding too, the way you can kind of catalyze those peak moments too of catharsis and release. So yeah, there's a variety of things you say on the dance floor too. And the music has a variety within it too. I mean, I've been dancing with you for seven years and I've got to say your music, the variety, the the flow. I mean, you've become, you already, it was great when I started and it's gotten, you've just gotten with the music and the cues, it just, it's been beautiful to watch you grow um, and, and, and continue to hit new peaks of, uh, of, of DJing and space holding and being a five rhythms teacher. But let's talk about the, the five rhythms in the music too, because this is an important uh, fundamental quality of the practice too. Can you talk a little bit about the five rhythms as they reflect to the music? Yeah. And, and just, I just want to go back to one thing that you mentioned um, sure. about, you know, reminding people about their feet or, you know, guiding people back to their breath. But that is one thing that separates a five rhythms practice from an ecstatic dance. Um, and it can be super annoying, especially if you're in your head or you're, you have some sort of trip that you want to take. And the teacher's like, find your feet or take a partner. And, and our, our gift is to help people back into the present moment and, and to, to, to try these grooves that we've got patterned inside of ourselves to help find ways to break those patterns. Like there's an MO of how we are in the world and we can just fall right into that when we start moving. And so these simple things like find your feet, notice the other feet in the room, it just kind of helps us learn different ways of moving in the world and hopefully releasing some patterns that might be in place in the body from our previous survival mechanisms. I find for myself the, little, the ridiculousness of my mind as soon as I practice. Like I, I, I will giggle most times when I'm all rung up about something with my daughter or my family or, or something and I just start moving and I start practicing. I go to my breath. I, I teach myself like I teach you guys the same, you know, feel your feet. How many different ways can my feet move today? Knees, hips, partner, you know, hips and feet, you know, all of these things I, I use in my own practice. And I start to see life every time in a different way. It's just um, sometimes there is tears or sadness over a memory of my father who passed away a few years ago, or 
sometimes there's anger from a self-betrayal that I didn't set a boundary and it just shows up in my dance. Or there's a memory from my past, um, a happy memory or a trauma that I haven't fully digested. And so it comes through and I breathe and I keep moving and I have the foundation of the practice to sort of help me stay grounded in these sort of unknown shadowy at times places um, that can feel really scary at times, but this practice has given me um, a gateway that has, um, it's given me, I don't want to say the word power because it's not, um, it's, it's not, it's not that word. It's, um, it's like pulsing existence that goes through. Um, and it's funny to hear you talk about what I say when I'm teaching, because I never know what I'm saying. I, <laughs> I, I think the hardest part as a teacher and as literally just a student who's what the most interested person in the room, maybe, um, is to get out of the way that I, I, I don't have the answers, this and being person, but when I let go of what I think I know, then I can open up to really what you're, you need and what she needs and, and what the 80 year old needs and what the 17 year old needs. And, and I, I often am surprised when people come to me and say, were you in my head? Or, you know, what was that you were saying? Can, can you give me that poem? And I'm like, it wasn't a poem, you know, it, it, it was just what was in that moment. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Thanks for and it that. goes for the music as well. Like, you know, I'll go in there with like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And I never, ever follow the plan. It just something else shows up. Music that I really don't feel like I know well. I'm, I just, it's just like my, I just have to put it in there and it goes. I, I can't fully explain it, except I have to get out of the way a lot. Yeah, I've, I've been curious about how the music, like, and, and the things you say. This is this is exciting for me. This is why one reason I love doing this show is just to get behind the creative process of people that have really inspired me. And so to hear how organic this is for you is extra exciting for me to hear that because there's things you've said during class. I mean, there's the very guided meditative lines that we hear again and again. But like I was quoting, though, there's a time you were saying, let's dance for everybody in Berlin. Let's dance for everybody in Japan. And I was just like so fired up about that. And there are other times you'll just, you'll notice something on the floor and you'll bring us all together and you'll reorganize the space. Like it's this actively tended space, I would say, that you're really tuning in with. You're dancing with everybody, as you mentioned, not just maybe me who's really engaged and, and goes a lot or the new person who you're trying to you know, bring in, but you're dancing with the collective uh, consciousness in the space and bodies in the space and unconsciousness. So uh, you'll, I know those things you'll do, but you'll, you know, I imagine that now hearing this, that when you have us pair up, find someone you don't know, find someone else's elbows, things like that, cues like that, that those are coming from a in the moment kind of channeled space and not anything planned or written in your notebook before the class. So am I hearing you right on that? Yes, it's true. Yeah. There isn't a, there isn't a notebook. 
there's no flip chart or no, thing no. that I'm not seeing or notes it, on your hand. Just, it, I just, I love it so much. I see, you know, people getting free, people healing. Um, and then often I will see, you know, the planet or other cities. Like I have like these moments of visions that happen, not only like the vision of my, my father who passed away or the vision of, of something from my past, but I, I also get bigger visions that just sort of happen. And I just name them as they come. I'm um, learning to let go again and again. It, um, this, this reminds me, this is completely um, different, but it, it relates. I, I, um, I don't like marijuana. I've never really, I get really nervous and anxious. And me too. And so I, I just, I just never, I mean, some people really love it. It's great in a cream and it helps my body. It's like magic in a cream. But my um, husband and I, Anand, when we went on our date this past week, we went to a store and they sell Delta 8, which is apparently CBD and THC legal here in Virginia. And I decided to try it. I got super nervous, like, like, like normal. And I was watching this. And then I decided to just get down in my body and just feel my feet. And the whole experience started to shift when I started embodying myself. And when I stopped trying to control anything and just let whatever was gonna happen, happen. And that's what it's like in class. If I try to control it, it hurts. It's like painful. And if I just let go, and trust that whatever needs to move through me is going to, and that whatever people need or they're going to receive it. If I just, like I keep saying, get out of the way, get down into my own body. So as I'm practicing and teaching, I'm practicing behind the desk too. I'm in my feet when you're in your feet, you know, I'm in my elbows when you're in your elbows. Yeah. It's, I witnessed um, that. Yeah. I see, I see that happening. Um, I see you in it all the time. It's one reason I love dancing with you and uh, recommend people try, try your classes, try a Wednesday online or come to a workshop or we'll share all the links below, but it's why I, you know, you're the first dance teacher I've had on this show because you're my first dance teacher. Uh, my, when I say dance teacher, I really mean five rhythms, meditation, guide, space holder, you know, <laughs> Um, medicine woman, uh, all of the things, you know, you want to dance teachers. So reductive, of course, we're already establishing that uh, one. But one thing I'm excited about getting on, getting you on the show is to hear your, your journey, you know, from the beginning with this practice and how five rhythms came into your life. It's not something I know snippets of this, but I haven't really heard the whole story. So are you open to sh sharing some of that today? Absolutely. So um, the story starts when I was little. I loved dancing and I, I was a baton twirler. Um, and I, I would dance alone in my room a lot. And then um, I was I had a boyfriend when I was 15 until I was 16. And I loved him so, so much. He didn't like to dance, but I loved dancing. And um, I ended up breaking up with him because I wanted to dance and it just really un, un, made him super uncomfortable. And he committed suicide that night. 
And so I didn't dance for a really long time after wow. that. Yeah. And I dreamt of them for 25 years, like, you know, and is it going to come back? What do I do with the partner I'm with? If he does come back, I mean, just this whole thing that happened really for a really long time. But then I, I was an elementary school teacher and then I stayed home with my children and slowly I started going to this class called Mia at an, um, at an exercise studio. And during Mia, there was this choreography which what, I had done step aerobics, but there was one song in the middle of the class that was a free dance. And I would dance and I would breathe and I would fly and I would feel free. And I, I just lived for that one song in the middle of those classes. And so um, the teacher, the Nia teacher invited me to go to Asheville with a few of our friends to a five rhythms workshop for just a three hour workshop. And so that was in 2008, I believe, and uh, or seven maybe. That night I danced, I cried. I, there was so much that happened that night. And I went with, there was four of us, I, we went to dinner afterwards and I said, I'm gonna become a teacher of this work. I just, I know I have to bring this to Charlottesville and I, I have to do this. I had no idea it was going to take me six years to become a teacher and what it really involved. I just knew that it was the path I needed to take and I was going to take. So I did. I started dancing all over the world. I found teachers everywhere I could. I started bringing teachers in so that I could dance with them because it was, I had little kids. I couldn't travel as much. So that's how I ended up getting my training is, I brought them here and I brought people to the, the workshops. Um, yeah, so I started a community in Charlottesville and then I went to DC and worked in the community there. That's where yeah. I met you. That's where, yeah, where we met. Well, I moved to here. I didn't know that story about your boyfriend. I moved to hear that. That's wow. I just feel that. And, um, I also, yeah, and the transformation in 2007 and eight with the NIA class, just that you knew, you know, you were called to this, this work there. And I didn't, I didn't really know much of that at all. So thank you for sharing that. And just to follow up, you know, these are the kind of milestones. These are the big events of your dance evolution of the external world, but say a little bit about how it's changed you as a person, how you relate to others. Cause I know it has for me to change, change that. So I'd love to hear some of that internal transformation of how you relate to the world and how your experience has shifted from dance. So I, I have lived through a lot of trauma, a lot, lot of trauma. So my boyfriend, but there was lots of, lots of trauma in my life. And so I, 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 number one, after, that that happened when I was 16, I wouldn't look at people in the eye. You know, I, I couldn't be present with people, I felt a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. Um, and I also um, made choices in my life that weren't in alignment with me, like they didn't, it's, it's like I was wearing a, like a, a fake mask all over my body or something. It's just some of these things that I was choosing to do, I had to change a lot of these things. And one of those was um, my children's father and I ended up parting ways. 
And that was a really difficult decision for me to make for me, for my children. Again, another person who didn't understand dance and the importance of it for me. And I think everybody should, I mean, should, I keep using the word dance. I think everybody should move like this. I agree. I don't believe that there is a human being on this planet that wouldn't benefit from this kind of moving ecstatic meditation. It is literally life changing. I mean, it, it just is. And so I, I got empowered to heal my trauma on my own two feet, you know, like to not be afraid of the things that had happened and, and that are going to happen in this world to, to just dead on look at every experience and belong to it, belong to everything that has come through in this life for me and everything that will, knowing that there's going to be goodbyes, you know, there's going to be trials, there's going to be beautiful moments, many, you know, but to just be as present with it all as possible. Like even until the, the moment that I'm passing over, like, I want to feel that. I want to, what is that like in my body when I go from here to there? You know, I know I'm going to be afraid and fighting it. I'm going to do that same little game I did to, you know, to let go and just be with whatever is and just let, let it take me like I do as a teacher. Yeah. But I guess I've never wanted to be afraid of anything like and dance, dance, five rhythms, moving meditation. I'm, I'm just, I'm not afraid when I move like this. And I, I have hours and hours and sometimes days of literally cruising emptiness, like peace. And that's not how I experience life for most of my life. So I'm suffering less because of this practice. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I feel that and suffering less and being a lot of what you said touched me of being able to be empty that way and be with your reality, surrendered to it, unified with it instead of fighting it all the time, fearful. Um, that was an important piece of what you said. I felt like also I heard you say that you, at the beginning that you shook off, not you, like you were living in a not you mask or some, you taken on some other people's ex external version of you and you weren't being yourself. And that's something I feel so al aligned with that and wanting others to take that from the dance, taking that myself from the dance and from many other practices. And that's something I'm passionate about discovering. And then this other piece came up too of this theme of relating to the masculine, the masculine, like this, this masculine, these partners not understanding you, not, not understanding dance, not understanding movement. And some kind of you know, static thing they're holding on to of not moving, of not changing, of, of you know, I've been re reflecting on how cre creation and destruction are you know, really two sides of the same coin and that when you unlock creative energy, it's going to rearrange and destroy things too. And, you know, you're, you're someone, when I think of teachers who are connected to powerful creative energies of really moving people, really changing things, I, I do think of you, I feel like you are shifting, you're uh, sh like, even if it takes a little bit of force of a push, sometimes you're willing to give that to others and to yourself to shift into the movement out of stasis, out of, you know, that frozen 
uh, a frozen kind of tra- trauma response, you know, where we, we, we lock up, we contract. And I see like one theme in your teaching and your story of bringing yourself and others out of that locked up, um, closure, closed off um, experience and surrendering. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we, you know, we don't have time to stay in the trauma. Like, like it did happen. All of these things did happen to us. And the sooner we can belong to those, the sooner we can be with that and expand ourselves around these things that we feel like, you know, are just impossible to own. Um, then we are more capable of being and doing what we are to here, here to do, you know, helping other people. I mean, helping the planet, you know, everything is possible, but if we stay locked in these victim stories, you know, we're, we're, we're dying or dead in parts. And so I just, I, I do risk the edge often with people. And I do that because I've also been in many of these situations and I know the two sides. I know what it's like to be frozen in it. I know what it's like to just keep reliving the same story. Like, you know, I could be the girl who, you know, broke up with a boy who 20 minutes later committed suicide. But that was a, ultimately a gift in my life now. I mean, you, you, you know, if somebody had looked at me and said that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, I would have wanted to mow them down, you know? Um, and the other, the other thing that this is reminding me of is this moment that I had with my father right after my boyfriend died that night. And he looked at me and he said, Anne, this is what this is. Like one day I'm going to be gone. You're going to be gone. You know, this, like, like, look at this. Death is a part of life. And I was pretty mad at him for saying that that night, but it's, it's kind of worked through me a lot. And I, I am very aware that I am transient here, that this is short. And, you know, do I want to stay locked in some story that's not me? Right? You know? I don't. I don't. Sounds, sounds more sound fun, to, fun. Sounds more fun to be me and for you to be you and everyone out there to be them, themselves instead of locked off and closed right. off. Whatever that's going to be, Jake. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be tomorrow. I don't even know what I'm going to teach next weekend. I, I you know, like, all I know is I'm going to show up and I'm going to get out of the way as much as I possibly can. I have learned that, if, that when I try to willfully teach, I am like frazzled and fried. Like I'm so tired, you know, but when I'm like, when I take the support that's all around me, you know, asking the creator, Gabrielle, my dad, everybody, my guides, like, okay, use me. <laughs> Here I am. Um, it, it goes a lot. It goes a lot better. I've learned that over the years. I, I resonate with that too. And <laughs> I imagine others listening do as well. Um, and I think too, with, um, with in my last episode, I talked to uh, Kevin who runs like, not our Kevin from five rhythms, Kevin Hauber, California runs our men's circle. We talk a lot about how 
men's work often gets in these circles gets stuck in shadow work. We get stuck in repeating the same traumas. And you know, when I talk about you giving a push, you give a very loving invitation, I would say, but it's powerful too. It's like, this is, you move the group towards doing that, that healing work and letting go. I liked what you said though, moving out of the trauma. That's what we do in this and our, the men's work too, is what do you want? You know, what are you calling in, in your life? What's your purpose? Who are you? Like, what's your gift you have to share? And I saw too, you're doing, you have coaching offerings now in your workshops. I mean, will you say a little more about how once we move through, once we made that space and we moved through trauma, we've moved out of it, we've moved, you know, I'd say through it instead of past it. Um, mm -hmm. What, how do you, how are you supporting people to call in this like next phase of their life, this next beautiful chapter for themselves? So the first question I always ask private clients is how much sleep are you getting? I'm, I'm a, I believe everybody needs a lot of sleep, eight or more hours a night. Like you that. know, I, I really do because, nice. you know, whatever, whatever they're struggling with, I want to see what the struggles are on sleep, you know? So I do very short sessions, only 30 minutes, usually once a week, some, some people 45. Um, but that's my first question. And then I'll ask about um, water intake, um, and what are the things that you love to do? Uh, there's, there's, that's where I start. Starting with the basics, um, the fundamentals there. Right. You know, I mean, life is too short to do stuff we don't enjoy and that we Agree. don't love doing, you know, and, and your gift is going to be something you enjoy. Amazing. Like you're going to love doing it. It's, it's, it's like, you know, like play. <laughs> It's your play. It's your game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this resonates with me and the four gardens approach I'm developing because I start with health. Health is first nature, creativity, service. So I take people through that too. And I like how just fundamentally, it's very much like um, tending a garden. Like, are you watering your garden enough? If someone asks me about their, you know, their garden has a problem. Are you watering it? Um, you know, you talk about sleep fundamentals. How's the soil in your garden? things like that. It's just why we're getting into advanced technical things when the fundamentals aren't being met and the plants themselves, your body itself, if it's well tended, will be resilient. They're, they want to be, it wants to live and it wants to, to grow. Uh, and so, yeah, this is really clicking with me too of, of this. I like that you start with those simple uh, elements. And the body wants to move. That is the one thing that happens, you know, the breath moves until we're gone, the, the, the heart pumps until we're gone. There, life is movement. And if we can just let ourselves stay in that movement and, and let go of inertia and keep moving, but it's true, you, you got to be watered and slept and fed well, you know, to move well too. Right. Completely agree. And for me, dance, I was writing down what are the practices that are multiple gardens for me? What are the, the things that I do that hit check all these boxes, you know, that do dances like, and really this con moving of the body consciously and meditation is way up there for me, along with a few key ones are just cooking is one for me too, has become one. And, um, and, and I guess I would include all this in meditation, but there's some things that really just, uh, can do it all. And I feel like dance is one of those, is one of those things because 
my body is being, my emotions, my body, my health, you know, it's, it, it is an exercise, you know, it's not what we're focused on in this conversation, but if you're out there dancing, you're, you're exercising, you're connecting with other human beings and getting connection. You're moving them. We're, we talked a lot about emotions. You're working on emotions. We think about spirit of nature as well. I see nature and spirit together of sweat your prayers. That's Gabriel Roth's book, the, the creator of five rhythms. There's a prayer happening and ceremony happening in the dance too. Um, there's uh, service to others. You know, you're, you're, you embody that in your work. Um, uh, there's creativity, of course, happening. I, I would say, like, you know, you were talking before about um, how, uh, well, I, have a, I, have a, I was linked to something you said, but I, I guess it's a little different. My experience of it being a meditation, both when I'm doing seated meditation and when I'm dancing, that's when my mind throws the fanciest, most exciting ideas at me. Like the, it really wants me to like, you know, to, to, to chase off on, you know, some kind of, but I get so much creative downloads from dance. I was going to say like for me, creativity really comes through with that too. So yeah, it's, thanks for letting me uh, debrief some of those garden, garden. Yeah. I wonder how that, how that, uh, if you have anything to add to that too, of like impacts that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it is uh, a creative opening for me as well. Um, because I think all of those places where we're stuck get opened up and then, you know, everything starts to move, then like that next gift to the world can come through. It's, it's like it, the, um, the faucet gets turned on and, you know, the mud kind of gets moved out and there's now just am amazing amounts of, of downloads that happen. So yeah, totally. It, it, it is all of those things. It's nourishing. Movement is nourishing for us. It's service for others, at least done in the way that we do it. Um, it helps us grow as human beings, I believe. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about your practices, um, I also love to garden. I, um, I, I, have, um, I have these windows right outside my kitchen and I have flowers and herbs and things that I tend. So that's one of my practices is taking care of my garden. <clears throat> Let me get some water here. Gardening, definitely a four gardens. Important practice, of course. It does, it does all the gardens there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so moving my practices would be moving meditation my meditation is happening all the time now when i'm gardening when i'm cooking um just am i in my feet you know am i down in my body am i in my hands when i'm tending the soil you know am i um in my body when i'm cooking um yeah just being outside is just so nourishing for me. And I do believe that, that the, the rhythms, the practice that I teach, it, it is a practice of nature. I was just going to go there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, please say more on that. Well, it, it's sort of like getting in touch with what really like, you know, what, how a tree grows. Like I, I can remember 
once driving to teach and I was noticing trees growing up and around rocks and different things, but they still would just keep going toward the light. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like people. Like people grow up around rocks, around these things that happen, but they still keep growing and they still like, like find light, you know, it, it's, it doesn't stop them, you know, and, and it's, it's, the dance is organic. It comes from deep, deep inside a person and however you need to move, like, it, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It just, what is it that you need right now that would nourish you and your body the most, you know? It, and that's the same, like, what does this plant need? What does this tree need? Does it need to be, you know, in the shade on the hill? Does it, does it need it to be, you know, well-drained or, or does it need to have more water for its feet? You know, like, what is it? What is it that, that they need? What is it that we need? And, you know, in each moment. I'd like to connect yeah. that to cycles too, that are coming up, thinking about the five rhythms. We're going through cycles, our bodies, nature, plants, the moon, that we experience all these things. We're part of this. And that also that's built into the five rhythms practice with the rhythms, the waves, you know, that it's, it's based off a natural, one of the like most common patterns in nature of the wave is the wave of the dance is that you work in cycles. I know the way you've structured things. It's often been nature inspired and like how you structure your work. And I see that thinking about nature built into this dance that we're, we're we find ourselves, you know, so the, the rhythms being flowing staccato chaos, lyrical stillness. I find myself in different rhythms naturally in different parts of the seasons of the cycle and just accepting where I am as part of what I hear you saying too is I've been, you know, this was just like kind of a low energy weekend for me. This is a weekend where I needed to go in, inward. And that's hard for me to accept sometimes that when I'm, I'm in New York City in Brooklyn right now and there's so many friends and things to do. And then, but that's not my, that's not what part of the cycle I'm on, of my energy. And if, if I just go outward all the time, I'm not embracing the rhythm that I'm in. I'm not embracing where I am in the wave. And that's been a lesson this weekend. I've been, I've learned that, had to learn that lesson many times. But uh, it's, it's one that, to me, reflects back to how the rhythms and the practice is connected right to cycles in nature. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, so the rhythms of expansion people love because you feel great and you're connecting with people, but we need the same amount of the rhythms of contraction, which are stillness. And then for, for the next thing to be born, for the next seed to come, which is flowing and it, where you start receiving, you know, you got to have some quiet and you kind of kind of be in the dark a little bit so that you can sort of soak in all that nourishment before you create that stem and that energy that moves up, that staccato that's going to come with the to-do list and the things that you're going to do. And if you don't honor it, then the stem's not going to be very strong, you know, where the flower hopefully would come, you know, it just is chaos. And then the harvest is lyrical. And then the death and the going back into the soil to create fertilizer for the next seed, stillness. Yeah, I'm glad you got that, that you got that this weekend. Yeah. I was a little resistant. I was, but now that I've had it, I, uh, 
I'm grateful for it, but yeah, I'm still, I find myself resisting contraction. Like, like many other people, I think, uh, probably can relate to that resistance. Yeah. 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 I think it's a, um, it's definitely in our culture to just want to expand, 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 expand. Um, and man, chaos wouldn't be so good without stillness and flow. You know, I have noticed a lot of students like to just show up late and just get right into the the, stic- the staccato and then chaos that beat and stuff. But the, um, you know, it, it's sort of like sex. Like I would say to people, do you really want to skip foreplay every time? You know, like it's important, this nourishing time of like, where am I? Who am I? What is going on inside of me? What is it that I like? What is it that I need? Am I thirsty? You know, do I need to go to the bathroom? Like sometimes we're so cut off from our bodies and flow gives us that chance, like, okay, where am I? You know, what's going on inside of here? And then getting in touch with that place that needs to move. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, I'm loving this med- this conversation, this meditation on this. And about how these people, you know, I'm, I, I, I can, I get it. You know, why people want to come late. They just want to come for the the, the, the peak of the party, right? And reflecting on why that is and i i do feel like there's a, a way i've overstimulated we're overstimulated but i'm overstimulated by modern life technology the love of expansion that to when i encounter my seated meditation each day when i encounter stillness on the dance floor that's not what i'm my nervous system my energy is equilibrated to. it's not where i'm set it's not where my dial is set and then just setting my dial down to 20 minutes of seated meditation to setting it down to 20 minutes of really slow dancing down onto the ground where the music gets really low BPM and it's quiet and pretty and I don't get to just shake and break it off all, all of it, you know, but I have to, I'm invited to exist a different way and my consciousness to settle and go down like that. I mean, it's so good for me. It's so, I get so much regeneration, joy from those times. And I liked how you said it, that we wouldn't, how would chaos be good um, without, that foreplay that that recovery that i mean that and then learning to love that that's my that's my work too learning to love those quiet times to 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 cherish that and not see that as the work but that's also another way of playing that's been part of my work with meditation and five rhythms yeah and finding that quiet place and letting the peak literally be born out of that and so that you're not doing the same pattern in that sort of fun expanded space but it's coming literally out of whatever you've got from the the unknown from the the deep within you know it may look like a different chaos each time if you really can get deep down in there um and spend some time down in there yeah there's there's um a lot of teaching in stillness and flow that that we need to learn to love it. Yeah. Floor work. I love that. 20 minutes of floor work. Yeah. That's, that's one. Do you have, so that, that sounds like one practice we have to offer people. Go 20 minutes on the ground, 20 minutes okay. slow. Do you have slow. other, mm-hmm. other ways or other ways for me to relate to, or others to relate to slower dancing to, to quiet spaces? Yeah. So I would say, um, 
micro movements like like right now your eyelids are moving you know you can play quieter music and and just let the body subtly move and start to feel the shifts and changes within the body um and while while we're doing cooking or you know we're we're doing repetitive movements to notice the little intricate movements that are happening within the slicing or the you know stirring or those kinds of things within our days but i encourage people to listen to slower music you know 90 bpms or less you know 72 you know super slow and moving with that yeah the the other piece especially during flow is to really get connected with the skin um so it's a, a sensual experience um but also slow and you know especially in a room full of sometimes like what 80 some people it's it's like it's it's a big ask to go inside like that but learning to do that and and having a whole room of people doing that together it's it's powerful um but but i do you know people will come to class because they want to meet other people right I of course mean, so it, it's um and it's important I, I i think about that a lot because like the classes there will be people that will have like a small number there at eight o'clock at night and then by 8 30 you know the room is like super full and i always hear it's the traffic and i'm always curious if that's really the truth <laughs> uh yeah I was, i'm skeptical true true <laughs> But this is bringing up a lot for me of just meeting ourselves. I love that we're there to meet other people, but then you're creating this space to meet ourselves. This practice of meeting ourselves when we're 80 people around 80 people around us that I'm, you know, I'm just thinking about that. I'm on the subway and how am I meeting myself when I'm on the subway and not being pulled into everybody else's. So there's a lot of stuff happening on the subway, you know, when you're going, going down there in public spaces and crowded cities uh, that can pull you out of your own body. And I think about, giving myself permission on the dance floor just to put my hands on my own skin to touch my touch my arms my shoulders that that's something that I you know when at first whenever I first started doing that on a dance floor I realized that's not something I do consciously is just touching myself like that giving myself some like embodied bring myself back to my body kind of self massage or touch and that's something that you know I'd offer too to myself and others in those slow moments you know you were talking about noticing the the clothes on the skin but yeah touching the self is, uh, yes. Subtly, can it's be beautiful. Really helpful. And, yeah, and even like putting your hands on your elbows or on on your arms, or you know, to help. To, it, it, it's grounding. It, it helps you come back in to actually feel that boundary between you and and other and out there, right? Yeah. So I know the yeah. It's so yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to dance tomorrow. So I'm excited to be dancing in New York. A lot of five rhythms here. And, um, but thinking about future dances, yeah, I want to, I'm curious too. I know that what you do in the moment is as you lead is very flowing and called in intuitive, but you do a lot, you do plan a lot of great workshops and work for people to get involved in. I'm just curious to hear some of the vision for you and your community that I'm grateful to be a part of going forward. Yeah. What's, what's coming up? So um, this weekend we have um, 
the unguarded heart. So it's, it's, it's interesting at Buffalo Gap, there's, there's a group of about 25 to 30 people that have been dancing together. It's almost like an ongoing group. There's like this core of people that have been meeting and then other people have been coming in. I guess we're up to like 50 people or so coming total. Um, and it's, it's, it's become, it's really potent. It's really powerful. The work that we're doing now is, um, it just keeps changing. It's not, it's not prescriptive for sure. Um, but we, we start on Fridays and we dance together until Monday around two and we dance outside in the pavilion. Um, and it, it really was the medicine that helped me endure the pandemic, like just going once a month out to this place and, and meeting the community and being there and moving together has been really powerful. But, but now people are like owning scary bits that have been frozen and they're just, just brazenly and so um, powerfully bringing these places inside of themselves forward to be healed. It's, it's, um, it's miraculous what's happening, truly. I mean, I, I feel very lucky to be along for the ride with these people. It's beautiful. I was fortunate to join one, one of the, the gatherings at Buffalo Gap and yeah, it is powerful. It is amazing out there. And I, I saw so much move in people and change in just one weekend. So I can, I can speak to that. Uh, and it's, it's just, it is incredible that you've done, I think you said eight of them now, a lot of the same people go. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, we started in June of 2020 and then I gradually started with one day and then two days and then three days and then four days. And now they're asking for seven days. <laughs> We're sticking with, with four right now. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess it is about eight that we've done the longer ones. Yeah. And you plan to continue that work. And I know there's one this weekend, but that's, you have an yeah, intention to continue. Yeah, there's one this weekend and there's only camping spaces available now for this weekend, but November 5th through the 8th will be our, our next one. And, and our last one at Buffalo Gap until April of 2022. Um, and I don't know whether we're going to be back inside in DC. I'm going to teach online um, until it's safe to be back inside. Um, the, the Carter Rock where we normally teach, where I normally teach, they, um, they are just not ready to have people in the building yet, which I completely honor and understand. Um, and I tried teaching outside, but the weather, it was raining and there was a lot of thunder and lightning. It was just, and I'm driving two and a half hours to get there. So it, I'm just gonna go online and do my, my in-person at Buffalo Gap this weekend and then in November, and then we'll see. We'll see what happens in the winter. Well, I know I'll be following along and I'm curious to see how the winter and, and beyond unfolds. Looking forward to dancing together. I've, I'm, and I've, you, even before the Buffalo Gap, you have been bringing together powerful teachers. Like I think about Tribe and other, where you brought five of the best teachers in the world and five rhythms together to dance. Yes. Things like that you do. I'm just always watching and I'm, I'm definitely 
we'll see you on a dance floor. I won't be there this weekend, but I will be back and very much look forward to it. And for people that want to, to follow your work, what is, is your website the best way for people mm-hmm. to, okay, that's ankite.com. I'll mm-hmm. put that in the descriptions wherever yeah. you're watching this. So they can, you can click there. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been really, I mean, I just love this conversation that we had today, Anne, and I'd love to talk again and of course dance again soon. And yeah, it's just been beautiful to explore you and where you're coming from and in, in your practice and your history. I didn't know and how, what it's like for you teaching and leading the kind of principles and, um, grace you bring to your your work it means a lot so thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me jake so thank you Anne. and i just want to let everyone know t- you can you can listen to more four gardens podcasts at fourgardenspodcast.com once again like and subscribe i'd love to hear what you thought about this episode um, you can share on our facebook page for the four gardens facebook page if you have comments or send me a message at fourgardenspodcast at gmail.com. So yeah, and with that, uh, much love, Anne, and everyone out there. Have a safe, beautiful day.